Welcome back to Eldritch Girl with 13th part 4. Um, this is chapter 2 part 3. <laughs> so all the all the parts, the naming is going to get a bit uh, confusing. <laughs> but if you're reading along at home um, and you've got yourself the paperback with the illustrations by Tom Brown or indeed the ebook with the illustrations by Tom Brown, um, you can do that and we are I'm um, not sure what the page numbers are for your ebook copy, but like we're starting around page 75. Um, this is quite fun. I just, I really enjoy writing Fairwood from a range of perspectives and different people's points of view. So this is Katie's first look at, uh, inside Fairwood House. So this is kind of from a 17 <laughs> year old angry eldritch horrors perspective <laughs> who does not appreciate gothic piles at all <laughs> um <laughs> so uh you know the descriptions can be quite different yeah i've enjoyed writing 13th though it's quite fun to do the family dynamics but i am going to give you the content warnings for the family dynamics right now um obviously katie has been abducted um, and you have that dynamic between her and Ricky. Uh, Ricky obviously kind of talking down to her and throwing his weight around a little bit. So there's that. Um, Katie also has um, some mild suicide ideation, um, is very clearly depressed, and you've got the self-harm tendencies as well coming through in her point of view and the way that she acts and, and thinks. So, yeah, so just be careful with that. Um, that's kind of all there is in this section. There's a bit of threatened violence, but um, there's nothing dramatic. Okay, so enjoy 13th Part 4. Chapter 2, Part 3, 11th of January. The ceiling was unfamiliar, the wrong shade of beige, and minus the cracks. The light shade was stained glass, casting soft colours across the plaster, not wicker bars casting their caged shadows over the room. Katie sat up. The bed wasn't hers either. Too small. Too hard. A camp bed. She jerked fully alert, instinctively hunting for her phone. Her handbag was nowhere she could see. The only furniture in the room was the bed she was lying on, covered in cheap white sheets and an itchy wool blanket. She threw them off. Her purple suitcase was nowhere to be seen either. Katie swung her legs out of bed, although she could barely feel them, bare feet hitting the floorboards too hard with a numbed thump. Standing took three tries. She slapped her arms and thighs, trying to get the feeling back into them. At least she was still fully clothed. She was in an empty bedroom, floorboards waxed and clean, heavy brown curtains in the window. There was nothing under the bed, nothing on the shelves, no cupboards to check, no wardrobe, nada. Chalk lines were palely visible on the bare boards, as if someone had let a child scribble on the floor and not cleaned up properly. Where the hell am I? Katie stumbled to the window, knees buckling but getting stronger, and leaned on the window sill. She was on the second or maybe third floor of a building that faced a wide, long lawn, ringed around by a high stone wall, wrought iron gates at the end of a gravel driveway leading to a familiar country lane. Fields stretched beyond, a melancholy wintry slash of colour below the cold grey sky. The planted woodland they called the chase lay off to the left. She tried to swallow and realised how dry her mouth had become, how thirsty she was. 
This could only be one place and that was impossible. Katie closed her eyes, blinking slowly, trying to figure it out. Had Ricky brought her there? Sixty years or more ago, a witch had cursed Fairwood House, the old manor local people called the Crows, effectively banning all of Katie's blood kin from setting foot there. Family legend had it that the house itself had to decide to let you in, that it lured people like a mythical wood and stone siren. That sounded made up to Katie because buildings were just buildings, but she wasn't 100%. Gran had told her the blood magic spell had been cast out of spite because there was something powerful in the house that the family needed and they had had to make do with lesser shrines ever since. The curse still held for everyone except Ricky. None of the others could set foot on the grounds or so much as touch the gates. She'd heard from her mother that some of them had tried. They said it was because he'd ascended, that he was a god now. Katie didn't really know what they meant by that. She hadn't been going to the family gathering since Gran died, and he hadn't seemed any different than usual at the train station. Katie tried to open the window, but it wouldn't budge and there was nothing to smash it with. Besides, it looked like she was pretty high up. Her head swam, fuzzy with dehydration and the after-effects of Ricky's bites. She didn't want to lift her top, examine her skin. She didn't want to roll up her sleeves and see the shape of his suckers. She wanted to jump into a scalding shower and scrub her skin off. Katie stumbled to the door, blinking. She expected it to be locked, but it opened almost as soon as she touched the handle. She flexed her hand to get some feeling back and stepped into a long, carpeted corridor. At least this wasn't Ricky's shitty little cottage in the woods, where his creepy parents lurked behind the dusty windows like something out of a horror film. Her mother's sister freaked her out with her heavy black dresses and sibilant voice and that weird little giggle like a deranged child. How do I get out of here? she whispered to herself. A breath of air blew through the corridor that almost sounded like a word. It thrilled her muscles into action and she stumbled down the carpet towards the stairs. Her cousin's voice from a room on her left brought her up short. Come on, love, don't be like that. Katie jumped away from his voice but the door to the room was closed. She stared the keyhole down, poised to run, but then she heard, No, I never said that, from the other side and relaxed. He wasn't talking to her, wasn't all-seeing, all-knowing. She dropped into a crouch, creeping up to the keyhole, one for a large, old-fashioned type of key, and squinted through it. She glimpsed a bedroom, comfortably kitted out with a double bed and peacock wallpaper. Her eyes watered, trying to focus. She thought she could almost hear someone speaking to him, but she couldn't make it out. Ricky was topless, in different trousers to the night before, and pacing. She couldn't see his face. His abdominals and obliques were like something from an anatomy diagram and it looked like he'd never missed an arm day, but Katie had seen lads at the gym like that and not one of them did cardio. Cole Morgan, in her class of biology, could crack nuts with his biceps and got out of breath running up the stairs. If Ricky wasn't anticipating it, she'd just had to outrun him. He paced out of sight, giving her a clear view of the double bed with its sunny yellow counterpane. On the bed, opposite the door, she saw a handbag strap. Her handbag strap. Shit. He had her phone. Ricky lowered his voice and Katie strained to hear what he was saying. His accent had broadened, something Grans had done whenever she got animated. In his case, he sounded more embarrassed, as if he were being told off. She wished she could hear the other side of the conversation. Yeah, well, I didn't though, did I? And I said it would be for a little while, but I never said... Katie thought she could hear a whisper, but both his arms were by his sides. Speaker? 
headphones? What about the house's owner? Where was she? She gave up squinting and pressed her ear to the keyhole instead. Who else knew he'd taken her from the station? If it was going to be a long argument, she could chance it, make a run for it now, see if the front door was unlocked, or if not, find a key. But she wanted her handbag, mainly her cash, her debit card, her train ticket. The outdoor one was still valid for today. She'd got an open return to avoid suspicion. And her phone, and that was in the bed in the room with her kidnapper. I never hurt her, did I? She's all right. A pause. Ah, oh, come on, I wouldn't do that, I promised. Something breathy, out of range. Almost her imagination, perhaps nothing, a draught. Nah, why do you say that? Katie tried peeping through the hole again, covering one eye to help her focus. Something blocked her vision and she pulled back, poised to run as the handle turned. Why didn't you say so? The door opened and Katie took off. Bloody hellfire. He wasn't as fast as her. She bounded down the unfamiliar stairs, skidding across the tiled grand entrance hall and slammed into the front doors, tugging at them to no avail. A small table with a landline and a telephone directory sat nearby and she pounced on the wooden arts and crafts bowl, looking for keys. Ricky sauntered down and took a seat on the stairs, watching her. She won't let you out even if you get the keys. Katie found a keyring and tried one in the lock. It wouldn't turn. She tried forcing it, rattling the handle as she fought to deepen her panting breaths, chest on fire. Easy, don't snap it, she'll... Katie fumbled the keys and dropped them. In desperation, she struck the door, kicking and pounding the oak. Ricky bounded up and launched himself at her at a frightening turn of speed, grabbing her around the middle and throwing her backwards. Katie righted herself before she fell over and sped through the nearest door. She put a two-seater sofa between them as her cousin followed her in, blocking her escape back into the hall. Don't do that, he warned. Don't kick the door, that's rude. Don't you ever do that again. Katie tensed, looking for something that could do real damage, and spotted the poker by the fireplace. She grabbed it, knocking over the paraphernalia around the grate. I'll smash the window, I swear to Grandad. Come near me and I'll smash your fucking face in. Ricky stopped, staring. Let's not smash anything, all right? My face, fine, but... He sighed. Look, I didn't hurt you. Let's calm down and start again, all right? What? No, you kidnapped me. She took a two-handed grip on the poker. Ricky rubbed his forehead. He looked at her, frowning, and in the grey daylight she saw the shadows of heavy bruised bags under his eyes, how his cheeks sank in, how haggard and tired he looked. Had he always looked that way? She couldn't remember the last time she'd seen him or properly looked at his face under the hood he always wore. He was still topless and it wasn't only muscles standing out under his skin. There were ribs too, the stark lines of his collarbones and livid red stretch marks around his hips and over his belly that looked painfully fresh. Veins stood out on his sinewy arms, but it was what came out of the back of his head that she was more concerned about. Tendrils were snaking out of whatever the hell he had back there, and they writhed around his head in anxious knots. Her grip tightened on the brass along with a flutter of hope. He was ill or something. Good. Can we just... He huffed a sigh, raising his hands, and fixed his stare on a point a little to the right of her shoulder. It's all right, I ain't going to do nothing. Maybe you were right, you happy now? Right about what? Katie asked, shifting her weight. Wasn't talking to you. Ricky gave a slight shake of his head, but Katie resisted the urge to look behind her. The hairs pricked up on the back of her neck. If you don't let me go, I will break the window, but I'm leaving. Katie licked her lips. 
He was nuts. She couldn't swear she'd heard another voice in the bedroom with him. Maybe he talked to himself. What was the curse supposed to do again? It was meant to repel them, keep them out. What if it scrambled your brain like a magnet on a laptop? If she stayed here, would it get her too? And I want my stuff back. Yeah, I got your suitcase, he jerked his head. In the kitchen. Katie realised she'd have to pass him to find it. She shook her head. You get it. And my handbag. Bring them in here. What for? You ain't actually going anywhere. I can't have you ringing anyone. Not yet. You do know they're watching you. You wouldn't last five minutes in London. I told them to leave you alone, but I wouldn't trust Uncle Marcus further than I could throw the town hall. Katie swallowed. Wes is going to be worried. He'll report me missing and he'll protect me, he promised. Ricky scoffed. Wes won't do shit. I bet he's called the police already. Ricky raised his eyebrows. I bet he hasn't even called you. His lack of faith in her big brother stung. She tried to swing the poker at the space between them, but it didn't budge. Her shoulder wrenched, the brass twisting under her palms, but it wouldn't move. Something was keeping it in place, something over her right shoulder. The wall shimmered in her peripheral vision. She snapped her head around to look, but it was a trick of the light. The wall was firm and flat. Katie dropped the poker. She turned slowly back to face Cousin Ricky and her heart lurched. He was much closer than before and he was grinning. She hadn't heard him move. Fear webbed across her throat in a tight, hot, nauseous corset. Katie broke eye contact and darted a frantic look around the floor, but the poker wasn't where she dropped it. It had rolled closer to the fireplace, muffled by the rug. She made a grab for it, but Ricky pounced. She yelped as his weight cannoned into her, pinning her arms to her sides. The tussle was brief. Katie didn't have a hope in hell of getting him off, and he threw her onto the sofa with almost enough force to tip it backwards. Half buried in the cushions, rubbing at the studs of pain where his fingers had dug in, she glared at him. What the fuck? Ricky glared at her. Yeah, I could ask you the same thing. I told you this is for your own good. Calm the fuck down. How did you do that? Katie demanded. The the poker thing, how did you do that? Why wouldn't it move? Ricky seemed to find this funny. Told you, he said, not looking at her, but rather at a spot somewhere to the left of her head. She almost asks as many questions as you. Katie spun around, but he was literally talking to the wall. Who's the ghost? she demanded, taking a leap into the obvious. It came out as a croak, and the flush of fear and frustration burned as far as her ears. Where's the owner? Doesn't some woman own this place? She had a vague recollection of that. Gran had invited the woman over for tea once, and Rachel had worked with her in super price on weekends, but after about a month, the woman had stopped turning up to work. Everyone assumed she'd quit. Ricky giggled. She's around. He levered himself down into a cross-legged position on the rug, pressing his knees down to the floor in a stretch. Bloody hell, I'm getting too old for this crap. Katie folded her arms, the sofa cushions a welcome comfort, although she was loath to admit it. Tight-lipped, she channeled all her frustration into a glare. Around? What do you mean, around? She's dead, ain't she? She ain't a ghost, and I didn't kill her if that's what you're thinking. Ricky arched his back, and Katie winced as his spine cracked. The tendrils had retreated, sucked back somewhere into the depths of his body, although where they went was another matter. There wasn't enough room in there for those things and his organs, surely? Katie pictured the coils slithering around his ribs, wriggling between the folds of his intestines. She forced a dry swallow and nearly choked on it. Look, he said without rancour, I don't mind you running away. I ain't cross with you. I'm not your enemy, Catherine. 
I'm trying to help, matter of fact. I could have told you the omens say you leaving is all bad. He raised an eyebrow, tilting his neck to one side, then the other. That vote, that wasn't my idea. Not the vote. She'd been deliberately not thinking about that. She hugged herself, pushing her fingers through the holes in her ruined jumper. Her cheek was sore, but she chewed it anyway, nipping skin away and tasting blood. It was close, he said, as if that was a good thing. I can tell you who was on your side if you want to know. Katie shook her head, queasiness catching her off guard. She pressed her arms into her stomach, digging her nails through a hole in her sleeve and deep into her own skin. Sure? He seemed surprised. Some of them were pretty pissed off the vote even got called. They don't all want you dead. They're quite keen on the idea of you killing off a few they don't like. Settle some scores for them. Katie found her voice. Can we... can we not talk about this? Can you just... shut up, please? Ricky blinked. Oh, alright. Not trying to be... Anyway, I sorted it out, but Uncle Marcus ain't happy, and you're putting Wes in danger too. He's sailed pretty close to the wind these last couple of years. Don't give him the opportunity to kill two birds with one stone. He snorted, literally as the case may be. Tears clogged her gullet like concrete. Is this a joke to you? Of course not. He dropped his gaze to the floor. No, I'm not. I didn't mean it like that. I'm trying to help, believe it or not, and you won't listen, so... He shrugged, glancing up, and she'd never seen him, or anyone, look so haggard and helpless. I offered you help before, remember, and you turned me down, so... She cleared her throat. What, so you thought you'd kidnap me? Abduct. His lips twitched. Kidnaps for profit. This is abduction. Katie wasn't in the mood for pedantry. Whatever. I need you to stay around for a bit, that's all. It's for your own good. I know you turned down my offer last time, I know Gran told you to, but I don't think you understood me proper. There's none else but mentoring I was offering. Think of this as your second chance, all right? She rolled her eyes. I knew what you were offering, I didn't want it. She hadn't fancied being his disciple at 15, and she sure as hell didn't want to be his disciple now, either. Do I get a choice? Not really, no. He gave her a tired glance up and down, and she hugged the cushion tighter. But there's two ways this can go, yeah? One, you see sense, we do it my way, and you get the run of the house, the grounds, whatever you want. Go see your friends, do whatever, but don't go to London. Stay here, where I can keep an eye on you. He shifted his weight. I can teach you how to, you know, change. Properly. Ascend, you know. Teach you how to control it. Then you can bugger off, do what you want, go to university like you want to, it's your life. I may have one thing I'd like you to do for me, after, if you are feeling like you owed me, if your life's worth something to you. He shrugged as if his generosity was no big deal and she narrowed her eyes. There it was. He wanted something. Not a big thing, he said as if to reassure her. I, um, I'll tell you about it later if you want to unpack and get yourself sorted. What's the other way? Katie interrupted him. Ricky stopped, train of thought broken. What? You said there's two ways we can do this. What's the other way? He stared at her. You're... come on. You're 17 anyway, you're still a bloody minor, and Wesley should know bloody better than to agree to this bullshit. He levered himself off the rug, nostrils flared. The ceiling creaked and he shifted on the spot as if the sound had reined him in. He continued softer, but cockier. Katie itched to punch him. I spoke to Wes last night. 
Told him you weren't going to show up. Ricky shrugged, jerking his head at the door. Go on, handbags upstairs. Check your phone if you like. See how often he tried to call you. How many texts do you reckon you got? He wouldn't ask if the answer was more than none. Katie pushed back against the cushions and wished she could slide between them and be lost forever in a dark, warm world and cease to exist. She dug her nails deeper into her arm, leaving bruised half-moon indentations and clamped her teeth together so hard they ached. I'll kill him. I'll rip his heart out through his throat and shove it up his ass. That was Uncle David's favourite threat, but it was satisfying. She wasn't sure if she was thinking of Ricky or Wes, not that it mattered. She should have known it would all go wrong. She chanced to glance at her captor, simmering with hate. It deadened everything else until all there was to feel was the hot squirming in her chest and a spreading numbness in the pit of her stomach. Okay. Ricky scowled. Okay, okay what? Okay, I'll unpack. It came out as a whisper. Weak, spineless, stupid. Her cousin nodded, satisfied. Good girl. Katie dug her nails into the old scratches on her forearm so deep they drew blood. Pain shocked her, gave her a release, enough to twitch her lips into a cold mask of obedience. I'll take my stuff upstairs. Yeah, let me show you. He led the way, a spring in his step as he headed for the door, and Katie hated him in that moment more than she had ever hated anyone before. Don't you worry, he said over his shoulder as she grudgingly pulled herself up to follow. You won't be here for long. so thank you for listening that was the end of chapter two uh, next week we'll go on to chapter three dangerous liaisons uh, which as you can imagine is a wes heavy chapter did you know that i have Kofi memberships active now so i have two tiers that's the eldritch seekers tier at three pounds per month and for that you get discord access to my discord server with all the private channels as well as the public channels enabled you get exclusive content and you also get access to links like free beta audiobooks um, beta reads that kind of thing so you get a lot of exclusive stuff if you want to join at the eldritch family tier which is the next one up and five pounds per month um, that one also includes handwritten postcards and merchandise that gets sent to you by me. Um, also signed book plates for any books of mine that you have. Um, and you also get postcards from Fairwood House, um, some of which are written in characters. So if you, that's the kind of thing you like, there are very limited spots for that. But in, otherwise, you can just leave a tip as a one-off in the jar um, as well. And that's perfectly fine and appreciated 
anything would be great. Thank you very much for supporting me um, and for supporting the podcast and for supporting my writing. I really, really appreciate it. You can also look at my Kofi shop and buy all the ebooks through me and I get all the royalties instead of um, just a percentage. So check that out if there's anything of mine you don't have that you fancy, especially the short stories which are 99p or 199. It'd be really appreciated if you bought them direct from me um, that way. So the downloads are available as EPUBs and Mobi files, so they're compatible with all e-readers and your Kindle as well. Thank you very much. Um, Hope to see you again soon. Bye now.